Welcome to The Last American Vagabond. I have a special guest joining me today to discuss a different perspective or probably a very similar perspective from a different outlet <laughs> about what they've been dealing with throughout all of the censorship long before COVID-19, but that transition process into that and what they've dealt with through this and you know, really just another independent outlet perspective on how they've continued to try to break through the incredible controlled media to get some truth out there for people. So today joining me is Jason Bassler, co-founder of the Free Thought Project, an outstanding outlet that's been really breaking down the police misconduct for a really long time that's opened up, as TLAV has as well over the years, into a lot of other topics, as well as the uh, founder of Police the Police, Jason Bassler. How are you today? Good, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. We just had a really great conversation. Really, one of my favorite, you know, uh, conversations, uh, podcasts, like three-way kind of discussions we I've had in a long time. And it was really you know, I love those kind of like, like I like my interviews to be kind of all over the place where we just let the conversation flow. And because yeah, we're, we're all dealing with the same things right now, you know, and so instead of having kind of like these regimented interviews, which are all fantastic, I, I'm, there's a lot of people out there that do really kind of detailed work. It's interesting to kind of just let guard down and see where these things go and discuss them. So, you know, how are you today? And, and what what's the right now? Just first thing off the top of my head, you know, what's the thing that you feel most focused on right now from both of those websites? Sure, man. Well, I'm doing well. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a busy week so far, but that's kind of the way I like it. And I agree. You know, I, I think it, there's some utility there giving our audience kind of behind the scenes look of just us talking shop and mm. kind of just uh, chatting about what's going on, because a lot of people don't realize how deeply have and how heavily they're censoring us right now. So oh, yeah, uh, that's that's certainly been challenging. And uh, you know, to be completely honest, Ryan, I mean, we touched on this a little bit in our podcast, but like my primary work right now is just kind of rebuilding our organization. We've been trying to kind of catch up again uh, the past few years since we were uh, taken off both Facebook and Twitter uh, at the same time within you know hours of each other. Uh, we lost nearly 6 million fans. So it's been kind of uh, a challenge. You know, it's been a rocky road and been kind of in recovery mode since then. But uh, I feel it's necessary. I feel like we've built this brand. Uh, we've built this this reputation we put in a lot of good work over the years and uh, i'm not ready to just give up and and bend over you know so i'm gonna yeah. continue fighting these guys and same thing goes for uh, the police the police you know that was taken down during the same time that we had uh the other pages taken down uh and what's been now dubbed as the purge and uh it's you know it's just been devastating it was a whole life trajectory changer for me i mean i had just mm -hmm. bought a brand new house uh not a brand new house i bought a new house and uh it was the first time i've ever owned a house you know and so i thought i had a little stability there i thought i was you know putting in the good work to to build uh some momentum and build a little stability in my life and instead uh, facebook the big tech overlords kind of yanked the rug out from underneath me so uh, that's been kind of our primarily primary focus. I mean, we have a couple other things going on behind the scenes, but right now it's just kind of trying to get back to a level of stability where maybe we can hire a few writers like yourself, you know, and, uh, maybe hire a couple people for video and social media. Like we once had, I mean, at one point we had seven different writers and we had three different people on our social media team. So I kind of want to get back to that. You know, I felt like yeah. we had some momentum back there, um, back then. And uh, of course, we'll never get back to the, the 6 million mark. I, I've realized that. I acknowledge that. Um, you know, that was kind of during the golden period of the internet, if you will. Right. But uh, we're still going to give it our good fight and, and do our best to, to stay in the game. That's great to hear, man. I mean, it's really commendable to, I mean, I can't even imagine what it must be like. I mean, I can imagine we're, we're all dealing with the small part of it, but to, to lose that much. And your great point to make there, the argue, like, it's almost the wrong metric to look at these days with how much is controlled and censored because whether you're probably reaching out to people now and we don't even realize it, you know, but that they'll never let you see that again. It's kind of sure. the point. Right. And that's, yeah. I, I just want people to think about how incredible that is to build all that time and work and build up 6 million followers on, across multiple platforms or rather just on one, right. That's just Facebook predominantly. Right. Yeah, predominantly. Yeah. We, we were on, we were networked with a bunch of page admins. We had a, you know, a network of our own pages, all kind of similar pages, like protest pages, get involved. You live here. Right. We had the end the drug war. We kind of had our anarchist pages. And apparently, according to Facebook, this is all uh, coordinated, inauthentic behavior, you know, which is kind of ironic because now I just saw an article a couple of days ago saying that you're now allowed to have up to five different accounts on Facebook and that, that they're actually encouraging you to do that as well as Instagram. So, you know, what we were getting banned for, or at least the excuse they, they used to right. ban us That's uh, a few is. years back is now completely legit. And, you know, they have no problems with it. So it, 
Well, the point make any sense. They, they didn't have a problem with it then if it was the right person doing it. That it's just really we've seen how inconsistent their application is. But you know, it, it's just really I won't be able to think about how how easy that is, and especially as this new transition. There, I mean, we've been through many of them, right? But now we've got these, you know, Rumble and Odyssey and BitChute, and people are kind of reestablishing with certain things. We, we've gone through many levels of the censorship tactic, but I want people to think about how easy it is for those rugs to be pulled out. And so learn from that lesson, learn from what they've had to deal with and not allow yourself to be in one platform, whatever that may be, whether it's Odyssey yeah. or BitChute or anything. We need to, because tomorrow they could be, you know, taken over by somebody else and it could be taken away just like that. I mean, sadly, like we just saw Super U, just like that. Building, 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 and then something happens, family takes over, gone. You know, it's yeah. it's crazy. But we can talk more about censorship in general because that's an ongoing topic. But let's take a step back and and talk about you, you know, and, and where this started for you. How, what was the, you know, where did the Free Thought Project, prod, really the project of it begin? And, and how was that, you know, what was your motivation then? How And how has that changed to now? I imagine it's just sure. a different world. Uh, the origin story. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, uh, I... I not trying to toot my own horn. I feel like I've been in the world of activism and, and kind of paying attention to this stuff for years and years now. I had my first awakening in you know, high school when it came to my diet and uh, vegetarianism ah, and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, I've evolved a bit since then, but I think that was my first kind of turning point, like recognizing and realizing that the world that they've kind of told us was supposed to be uh, the normal quote, normal world is, you know, full of lies and fallacies. Um, but I did some, you know, more activism throughout my, my teen years here and there. Uh, by the time I hit my twenties, I was doing, uh, anti-war protests, uh, in downtown San Francisco. I'm, I'm from the Bay area, uh, right around the time the Iraq war hit, but I was always in the music industry. I was always in the music world. i never really took the deep dive to plunge into understanding my own ideology. So, uh, fortunately for me around 2011, when the Occupy Wall Street, uh, Act, uh, protests were happening. I saw it was happening. I, I watched a bunch of videos on YouTube and it just kind of lit a fire inside of me. I kind of realized at that point in time that in the age of information, ignorance is a choice, right? I mean, we've heard that a thousand times, but that was kind of when it kind of hit the the moment in my brain where I was like, I could actually do something to educate myself without having to go to school, without having to right. you know, go through these other uh, institutions or whatever. So I did as much as I could to to educate myself, to research, to absorb as much information as possibly human as humanly possible for the first couple of years there. And uh, around 2012 or so, I created um, a, a few pages and, and Tumblr accounts. Yeah, Tumblr, if you can That's believe right. that. They Which said still running to this to this day. What's that in here? They, they censored me as well, by the way. Uh, Tumblr of all places. Yeah, censored me a yeah, long time ago. <laughs> me too, man. Yeah, me too. Right around the same time as the purge too. Yeah. So, uh. I, I created um, a couple Facebook pages, started to see some momentum. I was like, wow, like this feels good. You know, at, at the same time I was doing like some um, Ron Paul uh, banner hangs. I was trying to kind of support Ron Paul is right around the 2012 election. He was running for president. So it, it didn't seem like there was a lot of momentum um, from just standing on the side, on the side of the street with a sign, you know, I mean, it, it felt like I was being proactive, but it didn't really feel like I was reaching people or, or changing any minds or having any type of real interaction. So I naturally just gravitated towards the, the online activism, the social media type of stuff. And uh, yeah, 2012, the, the Police the Police page started taking off uh, and uh, the Free Thought Project was actually born a year later when Matt Agaris and I both worked for uh, a website called Grow Foods Not Lawns. And it was kind of, a, I don't know, it's probably a little bit more new age or talking more about like the spiritual stuff and the health food stuff. And that's fine, you know, but that wasn't really my like direct uh, passion. I, I kind of realized that police accountability, government accountability, that was more of my passion. So me and Matt kind of both weren't happy there working for that website. And um, this is Matt Agaris, by the way, he's the, the free thought project editor in chief right now and co-founder. And uh, so in 2013, we decided to kind of go our own way and, and create our own website, which is the Free Thought Project. And uh, we instantly, man, we it was crazy how much success we saw instantly. I mean, it, it blew up uh, to the point where I'm looking at a screenshot right now just because I want to get the number correct. We we're actually 453 out of all websites in the US 
We were 1,925, our global ranking out of all websites in the whole entire world. Uh, So, I mean, this was 2013. Obviously, the game's changed considerably by now. But back then, even, that was a pretty big deal. Yeah. And I would attribute most of it to just um, having our own flavor of police accountability, kind of like a libertarian-flavored police accountability uh, content, which there was already, like, other police accountability activists and organizations out there, but they all tended to be a little bit more on the left side. Mm -hmm. So when we came out all of a sudden with kind of this new flavor of police accountability, it was like the floodgates opened up and Facebook and the internet just took to us. And uh, we had instantly a bunch of support. So, I mean, that's kind of the the story in a nutshell. Would you say, would you say when you started, it was more from a nonpartisan direction or maybe more of a conservative lean to kind of counteract the, the, the left leaning as your perception then? Well, before I even decided that I wanted to try to get into this world and interject mm-hmm. my own opinions and thoughts, I really tried to do what I could to really make sure I had a solid foundation of my own ideology and my own beliefs. So I, ever since uh, the very early you know, months of that, I started getting into this 2011, 2012, I kind of recognized that uh, Ron Paul, the libertarian um, principles right. kind of spoke for me and um, that, that was kind of an awakening in itself, you know, cause I'd never really cared about politicians and really supported any politicians, never even voted before. And all of a sudden there's this guy kind of speaking my language. Right. Uh, so it didn't take long to kind of really, uh, what, what's the old joke, you know, I mean, well, what's the difference between an anarchist and a libertarian? You know, it's like six months. Uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what they say, you know, if you're ideologically consistent right. and, uh, I, I tried to be, you know, I, I tried to kind of follow that that path. And, uh, I still feel like to this day, and I've done plenty more research since then I've done, you know, plenty more to educate myself with theory and uh, philosophy and stuff. And I could still say to this day that I still feel like volunteerism, anarchism is the only morally logically consistent ideology out there. I couldn't agree more. You know, I've said this so many times. It is the only ideology that I understand that's out there that does that has no place for leaders or excuse me for rulers yeah. and that's the whole point right there's you no know, there's natural leaders in these movements but it's no rule it's a you know not rulers but there are rules kind of concept but my point is simply that i've always made that th- this is the reason it's so actively focused on it's anarchy you know it's so misrepresented no people don't understand that's not the definition of the word and I think that's why they overfocus on it because it's like, we got to make sure that's the one thing we can't let them believe in because there's no place for us in that idea, you know. But I Absolutely. went through the same thing very rapidly in my diving into all of this. Went from, you know, I was never, even before I understood what these things meant, I was really like resistant to the, I've, I've always been a contrarian and always been a really anti authority kind of person. I think my parents raised me that way. And so I was very quickly kind of pushing back on all of it. And then kind of opened my eyes, my mind to the libertarian mindset, the Ron Paul kind of time frame. And, you know, and then very quickly jumped into like understanding anarchism and going like, okay, well, why isn't everybody over here? Like, this is exactly what makes sense with even like what we pretend we believe in in this country, you know, all of it, you know. I think it's interesting, the Ron Paul time. It's, I mean, even watching his consistency to this very day and how he was so attacked, it's just his whole process in my mind. And I'll probably even get pushback from plenty of people in our community today. He seems like one of the most honest people in this field that's maintained that consistency to this day and how attacked he still is. Maybe, you know, one of the only honest people I believe ever really truly ran for president and got damn close, you know. But it's interesting to see how that process, people who believed in this, even, even you know, um, now I'm blanking on his name, somebody, Daniel McAdams himself, oh, right. you know, with his campaign to now, same kind of idea, you know. So it's very interesting to see that progression. But I wanted to ask you about, the hell, unless you have any comments on that, I'm just rambling about. <laughs> well, I think one thing that should be noted too is that Ron Paul made understanding economics cool, you know, and that's never really been something that has. I don't think anybody's ever been successful at, you know, and yeah. not only that, he he really allowed us a space to understand uh, logic and and really focus on that rather than just throw out uh, yes, you know, exactly. useless, pointless platitudes and euphemisms, you know. Exactly. This is why I feel like even from from the libertarian perspective of of the early you know 12, 2012 Ron Paul to now it's it's almost nonpartisan when you really break it down the, what the arguments are aren't rooted really in one side or the other it's about sure. like you said it's about just the facts the reality of it they're stealing money from you they're using this to fund things they shouldn't that's basic stuff and I think that's that's why that's so incredibly important is that it, you know and that's why I think it didn't 
it was the first thing they couldn't let happen because they need the partisanship to break you down, make you divide against each other. You know, it's it's very interesting. It's like I wish we had more of that happening today. I mean, that's where I feel rooted in more than anything is the idea that the there whether or not there are people that believe in these parties that it's used to keep people never truly accomplishing anything. And that's the biggest problem we have, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, we're too busy butting our heads, you know, and uh, the, the polarization at the, in this country is at probably an all time high. I mean, uh, there might be some historical inaccuracies in that statement. But in, as far as my lifetime, probably your lifetime, mm-hmm. uh, we're probably close in age. But nonetheless, you know, it, it's absolutely uh, something to note and something to acknowledge for sure. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I one thing I I picked up on there that I thought was interesting, and I kind of went through a similar process, is there seems to be a lot of people that that became focused on the health part of the illusion first and kind of then broadened out. I mean, mine was health, but cannabis law reform was really mm. my bigger focus, but that's sure. very rooted in the idea of health and the the st- the stealing of our true ability to heal ourselves and all these different things. And so it's interesting. I would like your, you know, expand on that and what you saw on that and what it was that kind of brought you over to the larger part of it or you know, was there always a police part of it in the beginning of what you guys were working on? Because the health for me has always been a huge part of it, even to this day. I mean, now we're kind of seeing it flip back around. The biosecurity state health is very prominent. So what were your thoughts on that? And what was the progression? Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think you're right. I mean, there's a huge overlap. And even now, I, you know, I often say like 2020 and COVID created a, a huge new wave of uh, medical freedom activists, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and they're a formidable force, man. I mean, they're out there, you know, and they're, you know, creating a bunch of, uh, protests and doing their own conferences and stuff. So, you know, they're doing a lot of good work as well. And it's funny how many like little factions there are within the Liberty community that don't even really interact, but there's, there's just so many people kind of doing their own thing, all kind of, you know, geared towards, um, trying to promote and advocate for freedom. But my own um, journey in that space kind of started, in, like I said, in high school. I was definitely influenced uh, by the music that I was listening to in that time. I was very much into like punk rock, hardcore type of music. And uh, they were talking about veganism. You know, this was way, I mean, this was like in the 90s, right? So mm-hmm. nowadays, veganism has a bad rap. Everybody's anti, you know, Impossible Burgers and Soy Boys and all that stuff. And I get it. I mean, there's... Anytime you go to the extreme, you know, one side or the the mainstream takes any type of agenda to the extreme, you know, it's going to be it's going to create some backlash. Um, So I don't I don't know if I necessarily woke up in that time period of my life, but I I did recognize that it wasn't something that resonated with me. And I I recognize that just like most people right now, not putting any effort into their beliefs and, and where they stem from. That's exactly the kind of realization that I had. In high school, I was like, well, why do I eat animals? Why do I eat meat? Just because mm-hmm. my family did, because I was told to, because everybody else does. Like, that doesn't seem like good excuses or good answers for me. And then you start learning about uh, the way the animals are bred and treated and, uh, of course, the environmental mm-hmm. impacts, which is kind of a highly debated topic right now. I mean, uh, we had Amir Zen on our podcast of, uh, maybe about a month and a half ago, two months ago. Um, and he, he's really big on the plant-based versus meat-based diets. And we did a whole discussion about that. I'm not saying one's better than the other. I think it, it really depends on the individual. Um, and you know, there's, there's nuance there, obviously, like if we were really to to examine that, like maybe it is that, you know, being a vegan is better for the environment. Maybe it is that the meat eating diet is better for the the environment. I don't, I don't, I don't really want to get into that right now per se, but it it gave me a, a light to recognize that things weren't exactly as they tell us. And I think Mm -hmm. that's always been kind of in the back of my psyche, something that I've always kind of embraced. Um, And so the punk rock that just kind of brought it out and it kind of gave me some of the ideological tools and some of the logic behind exactly why maybe I should question eating my my dietary choices and eating meat and stuff. Um, I would say the, the transition to like a really vast understanding of what's going on now. And again, not to toot my horn too much, but uh, it was probably around the 2011, 2012 awakening when I really started to kind of use the internet as a tool to understand the world around me. And there was, there was a, quite a few uh, people who facilitated that process, Mark Passio being one of them as well, mm-hmm. really getting in deep into the whole natural law. Uh, a lot of these things again, felt like it was speaking my language. It almost felt like intuitively I understood these things, but I just never heard them be put into words. I never had somebody um, 
constructed with logic, you know? So Mm -hmm. it it seemed to kind of make sense when I started going down that path and it felt empowering. And, And that was one thing that with the first couple pages that I was trying to do, I had mentioned that I was trying to create like protest pages. My very first page was called get involved. You live here. And it was basically centered around this idea is like, Hey, like I'm not anyone particularly special. I'm not like some Ivy league college grad. I'm just somebody who took the time and energy to look at some of these concepts, look at some of these ideas, dissect them and and yeah, go, go into a little bit of depth on them. And so it was kind of this empowering process for me. And I kind of wanted to share that with other people, like self-educate, empower and inspire other people to do the same thing. And I still think that's a a huge, um, you know, a a good way to focus on uh, how to really get people involved in this this movement in the scene, because I think there's so many people out there that just feel powerless, you know, they feel hopeless yeah. and it's because they don't have the mental tools up here to really be able to understand what's going on or dissect the, the latest propaganda that's being rolled out to us. Right. Right. So um, and th- that's why pl- that's why groups like yours are so important. I mean, I get people emailing me all the time and say, thank you for, you know, walking me through how to see it this way. And sure. I'm looking at it going like, really? Like that seems like innate obvious to me you know what i mean and and you realize that some of people we see things certain way you raise a certain way but people just don't see it until they see it you know and it's important to walk them through it that's really important to think about too is that we have a lot of pushback today especially with the COVID 19 stuff oh you're not a doctor what do you understand where'd you get your degree you know it's like okay i mean these aren't unfair questions but to dismiss people because they don't have it's ridiculous and you come to realize over the years what you were just pointing out you get the occasional expert that that decides to break through and say, here, we're being misled about this. But most of them realize that that's dangerous to their career, dangerous to their interests, their family, their bills. And not to say that all of them make that choice, but you'll find by and large that people that have the courage to do this at a time when it's dangerous are the average people. Like when I first started this, I didn't plan to build what it is now, but I was just like, I just, you know, I, I, I had that first moment where I'm like, wait a minute. Like, so they're saying this over here, let's just say Fox CNN version of it. And they're saying this, and then I look over on the advert, the CNN version, and they're saying completely different things. And they're both selling it as fact. How is that possible? And then you kind of go, oh, wait a minute, somebody's lying to me. And I, so I've made this decision to try to just kind of break into it. And I got that pushback early. Like, who are you? Why should I listen to you? It's like, who's telling you to listen to me? Go somewhere else sure. if you don't want to be here. You know, <laughs> interesting that that's always where it comes from. So, you know, commendable that you took that courage, you have the courage to do it, you know? I wanted to I wanted to go back to the the vegan point you made there. I find this to be really interesting that there's a lot of this middle like it's not wrong to be a vegan, right? It's not wrong to be sustainable. Oh, oh, oh no, oh no, we're getting these those words, these buzzwords, these sustainable. That's UN stuff. The problem is that they're using these terms and they're bastardizing what they mean. They're not trying to be sustainable, at least in my opinion. They're using that word as a buzzword to get people's attention. Pro this way, negative that way. Being a vegan is choice. And I believe personally that it's actually more healthy. I've thought that for a long time. I struggle. I go back and forth on it, but it's a choice. Now, does that mean by promoting veganism that I'm saying go eat bugs? <laughs> no, that's the kind of overcompensation that we get. And so then you get this pushback yeah. on like, usually it's a left first right paradigm thing where that it's like overcompensation, only meat and beer because what men do. And it's like, <laughs> oh, come on, man, like that's wildly unhealthy. You know, we can get into why even the meat you're eating is unhealthy, but you get my point. And so I, I give me your thoughts on that, that by trying to do the right thing, like, let's say we should argue in any case, in all ways, being sustainable is the right move. Now, that is a dangerous thing to say today because people would argue that you're promoting 2030 and agenda sustainable goals. And it's not that the let's just even say it like this. Then I'll let you that you get into it. That saying sustainable, even on the goals they're putting out, they're outlining. That's not a wrong thing. It's the fact that they're using sustainable arguments to frame something else they're doing. You know, we should all want to be sustainable. It's a positive thing. So what are your thoughts on how they use those terms to kind of like cover very important things that we should be doing? I don't know if I even need to say anything, man. I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. No, like, yeah, sorry. Honestly, <laughs> no, it's a good thing, man. I mean, you just stated that brilliantly and I, I couldn't agree anymore. I mean, that's exactly what I see going on as well. And it's more of this just polarized thinking. I think, I think it's also con- confirming people's biases if they don't have to think about things uh, such as their diet. Then if they just jump on the bandwagon, Hey, like eating meat, it's, it's healthier. Right. And, and you're right. I think there's a lot of ego involved as well. I think a lot of libertarians um, are paleo. They don't tend to be very empathetic or sympathetic to vegetarianism. 
And, you know, we could get into the non-aggression principle and how it doesn't necessarily apply to animals or whatever, too. And I know that, you know, I get all that. I understand. Uh, it's a personal choice. And I just made a tweet a few days ago. It's like, I don't care what your gender you identify as. I don't care what your sexual preference is. I don't care what your dietary choices are. I really don't. I mean, these are your choices. I don't think I should have to give you respect for them. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to criticize you for them. I don't fucking care. You know what I mean? Like, right, just exactly. leave me alone, get out of my face. And, uh, I get there's some pride behind these things. People like take a lot of, uh, pride and self-identity and when they could identify as these things, you know, and I don't understand that quite frankly. I mean, that, yeah. that seems ridiculous to me. Like why you can feel like you can internally feel good about your choices, but to broadcast it out, that's, that's almost in, like, what's the right word for that? Like that's you wanting attention for your choices. Yeah, that's not the yeah. right thing. Like that makes me look down on you to be quite honest. Sure. Yeah. That was more or less the point of my tweet and it did fairly well. I, I think people kind of resonate with that. And I think, I think most people are kind of in that camp and they're tired. I think, of it. Yeah. All, there's all the yeah, and everything. Right. Right. I think there's probably some supplement issue, some supplemental issues going on. People don't have a lot of character substance or they're not really doing much with their life or even they just want to be within the in crowd. They want to be trendy. Right. Uh, I think there's a lot of that, especially now, you know, the more that they push these, these types of things, the, the um, courage to say the socially acceptable thing, Ooh, that's some, some courage it takes to do that. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, there is divide in the vegetarian vegan world and with, with meat eaters. So I, I don't know if you're necessarily hundred percent accepted by your peers, but at least from the mainstream, you will be at this point, because as right, you said, right. there's so much greenwashing going on, you know, um, and again, like who knows how much of it's actually legitimate because it does seem to make sense in many ways. And I think probably you and I both have been propagandized since, you know, we we're in elementary school that, you know, cattle is taking up rainforests uh, and in South America. And, you know, that's obviously going to be a huge problem. I mean, uh, some people would say that organic farming could do the same thing and maybe not in, you know, these other yeah. countries, but they also have uh, a lot of uh, requirements involved and it needs a lot of space and it could also not be exactly um, in coordination with the environment as far as being ecologically sound, you know? So yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways it can go. Oh, sorry. I thought you were done. Go no, 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 go ahead. No, go ahead. I, there, there's a lot of ways that it could go, you know, and I think it always, and which is kind of what you centered on first, it, it comes down to choice. Like at any point where the government is arguing, this is the right way, that's the right way. That's the, you know, the socially correct way or the social, you know, the sustainable direction. It doesn't, none of it matters. It's your choice period. Now the even with the like injections and the conversations of safety today, the government has a, an obligation, I would even argue, to to tell you what they think is the right. Does you know this is what we recommend? This is what's safest. You know, we're paying them all these tax dollars for all these ridiculous institutions to do research. Well, fine, then tell us what they find. But you sure. can't force this stuff on people. It always comes down to a choice. And I make the same point in Roe versus Wade or wherever I want, wherever we go with it. Even if I have a different opinion, I still defend your right to make your choice for your life. You know, and that's where it all comes down to because. Like you made the point, organic farming or whatever. I mean, there's so many facets to this that are misrepresented or undercovered, and it's just so frustrating. My my point is always as being as a chef, or you know, I, I mean, I am. I'm always going to be a chef. But before I did this, I was working in kitchens, running kitchens, and so on. If ever if you were out there and you promote the idea of you know pr meat is the best, the only right thing to do, I argue that you should go to a slaughterhouse and see how that actually works. Because I had to. Sure. I went and I say I had to because it was something that I went to for in in you know at the time I was thinking, Hey, I get to, you know, and then even today with the high level technological way they do it, you, God forbid you had to see what it looked like 50 years ago. It's a bloodbath, horrific reality. It's disgusting sure. and terrible and bad. But even in the technological part of it today, there's one guy's job that literally is just a squeegee blood off the floor all day long, right? It's stripping skin off animals in front of you with machine. It's, it's horrible. I mean, it gave me nightmares and I knew what to expect. The point is not to even say that that means you shouldn't still your choice. And I, I eat meat still. I get it. But understand the process before you start arguing that that's the right thing to do. They have those are animals. Those are sentient beings. They have a right to not go through that kind of process and live their whole life to be killed. I mean, I, I'm passionate about it because I did this for a really long time, you know, so I just think there's better ways to do that. If we weren't forcing this and making it a manufactured thing, you know, obviously, I'm passionate about it because I just want choice. But in any case, I think it's interesting to see how much of that translates over to politics and, and the way that we see even foreign policy, you know, having an in, the overlap and especially into the biosecurity state. Right. And I think that's this major process. I, I wanted to ask you about the mysterious and this is a very conspiratorial topic. But remember, there was this weird, mysterious 
uh, deaths of holistic doctors. That, that remember that yeah. story that was circulating? I interviewed Aaron yeah. Elizabeth, and we talked about that numerous times. Obviously, that's kind of started like the collapsing athlete story, where it was very clear, very suspicious, enough of them to matter, and then it got muddied with a thousand, you know, well, this guy kind of isn't a doctor, but and he didn't really die, and, you know, it just gets this huge number, and everyone's pushing it. But it it was rooted in some real information that I went through myself and was like, very suspicious and he was working on cancer drugs and you know all this kind of stuff so i wanted maybe your thoughts on the interesting timing of that before we lead into a time where holistic doctors are very important and, and maybe even the other peripheral people like the that um uh, go ahead and give me your thoughts i was going to forget the the pharmaceutical lady that died right before this all started worked with merck beforehand oh sure uh brandy yes brandy brandy thank you yeah thank that's you. right right that kind of stuff so go ahead sure man yeah you know um it's uh it's funny you brought that up because I almost forgot about that and mm-hmm. that was like a big topic you know for uh, probably 2018 2019 and there was I mean a number of them and we covered it as well if, if I remember correctly yeah. um but you're right I, I think the muddy the waters get a bit muddied you throw a little you know sprinkle a little QN on in there right. and uh the incentive to of course exaggerate sensationalize for more clicks and views and next thing you know, there's not really any clear defined truth anymore. You know, if I can add one quick point there that I want to make sure it doesn't get missed and people misrepresent what I just, I, it's important to point out that we should always broaden out the research. You know, it's important to question, could that have been one of them, right? Whether or not it was a doctor, whether or not they did, but doesn't mean you then sell it as absolute. Like that's just, there's a, there's a line there. So go ahead. Absolutely, man. And I wish there was more of that. I don't, I feel like that's, that's a, something that's missing, like profoundly missing from our space. And everybody wants to be the expert. You know, everybody wants to be the person who breaks this, this new angle or this new spin or whatever. But yeah, I I don't, I don't think there's a lot of legitimacy when we're just, you know, doing it for the click or we're doing it for the ad revenue, you know, and it gets frustrating to me because like we've been there. I I could say, honestly, like the first year or two, the free thought project was around that we were sensationalizing headlines. We were trying to get clicks and then you realize it's not a sustainable business model. Right. It's not something that people are going to continue coming back to you and, and trusting what the information that you had. So uh, I know we talked about this on, on our podcast, but it's authenticity repeated that creates trust. And I think that's so very important, especially in our space, because we're supposed to be the countermeasure to the mainstream, right? So if people can't come to the alternative media, if they can't go to independent journalism to find some truth, then they're never going to know where to look. So I I don't know. I have a big problem with this. And of course, there's always going to be grifters in any type of movement or any type of scene. Uh, But I have a big problem with this. And I know I'm kind of uh, sidestepping your question here because I really don't have a lot on that. It's been so long since I even thought about that whole Mm -hmm. um, story. But I'm frustrated with a lot of people in, in our scene and our movement because of this, man. And I really think we need to, to tighten it up. We need to be much more uh, clear and, and concise with our, our wording, what we say. There shouldn't be so much ambiguity. Yeah. Uh, there shouldn't be so much question marks when we're, we're presenting certain topics or angles. Um, if you have some bombshell information, put it out there. Don't just hint at it. Don't just work around the edges, you know. Uh, there's just a lot of that out there. It, it tends to get me kind of frustrated because I'm I think you. we really need to to have integrity in this space. And that's the one thing that's sorely lacking in our society is intellectual integrity. We, we should be the people who are really upholding it. Wholeheartedly agree. It's funny you say that right up on my board, right behind me here is it just right at the top of the board, be better. And that was a note that was for me a long time ago, right? Just be better. And not just for the work, which gen- wake up every day. Something somebody uh, somebody I really respect told me growing up, and that I've always walked with, is that you know it's just all you have to really do is just wake up and just be a little bit better today. That's yeah. it, just a little bit better every day. You don't have to be act, ex, you know the the this save the world tomorrow, but if you just a little bit better in one way in one thing, you know you're you're progressing in the right direction. And so for me, it just translated to like the corporate media. You know, don't be like them, right? We yeah. we can't beat them by doing the the the, the I've coined the term lying for your truth, and that's what yeah. that's what a lot of the partisanship does today is that they you know like they'll think to themselves, well, we know that these are killing people, so let's man you let's you know fake this image and make it look like that so it'll get their attention because we know that it is true. It's like, well, that's just as dishonest. I don't even care if you're right in the fact that you're you know what you're assuming. You know, it's like you're still lying to people to get them. That's not the way to do it, and that, sure. that's mostly partisanship. You know, so. We just, I mean, people, the be better can be taken a little 
you know, insulting, I guess, but it's just really about being better personally, you know, and that's, I agree with you, man. It's, it's a, it's a bad way that we're in right now. And I, I think a lot of it is maybe, you know, maybe a, some of it is uh counterintelligence kind of argument. That's not the right word for it, but you know, internal, but people pretending to be independent media to either manipulate others or give it a bad rap or even those that don't even realize it. You know, that are being fed stuff that don't realize it from people that continue to give them high levels of traffic. And then they, you know, QAnon was a great example of that. I mean, sure. there were some people before that. I don't want to call anybody out that you know well that did pretty damn good work on, you know, counter, you know, right, pushing back against the government narrative until QAnon and then lost themselves in QAnon. And I think at some point was very aware that it was not what they thought it was and drove it into the ground. And they're still there. Two people yeah. in my mind that just never came back. And I'm just like, that's very sad. And they're still, the Trump's still in charge and they're going to come back. And, you know, we have to get into that, but it's just, it's sad, you know, but that's, we need to watch out for that. It's important. Yeah. You, you said they lost themselves in the, the sense that they kind of got um, carried away with some of the the rhetoric and whatnot and, and believe. They chose and, to continue to push it, even though they knew that it wasn't true at some right, point. Right. Right. I would suggest that something else also happened. I mean, anytime, and I've seen this several times now since I've been in this world, but Anytime there's all of a sudden an explosion of a certain idol or a certain uh, person that you know is very likable, mm-hmm. um, there's going to be a huge following behind it. And we saw that with QAnon. And I think because it was so over the top, because it was so sensationalist, because it was speaking for the people, people kind of got little too engaged in that entertainment side of things yep. and kind of tuned out to the reality of the world that was really happening and going on around them. So people like us started to kind of decline in views or maybe didn't get the same views as some of these QA non channels were. Mm-hmm. And to me, I don't know that that's just problematic in multiple ways, you know, because we're, we're trying to, and again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but like we're out here really trying to be, you know, precise, accurate with our information, uh, the right, correct terminology um really you know leaving no stone unturned and they could just throw out a bunch of hyperbole and you know a bunch of sensationalist headlines and all of a sudden people are flocking to them like gangbusters you know and so that's almost as yeah destructive or uh, unproductive i guess you could say as just continuing to be a mainstream normie you know and just latching on to the, the the mainstream narratives that's a really important point there. And what I've always said about that, and many others have said the same, that you know, if they get you asking the wrong questions, they really don't care what answers you find, right? Yeah. They'll drive yeah. you down these holes and using truth to do it. That's what we see a lot of these people using is they'll sell you. Now, I don't know whether, in my opinion, of people like Tucker Carlson, let's say, or Fox News in general, CNN, we know from the top down, we know this today, not possibly, we know it, that it's controlled, that they, they can't just come on and talk about whatever they want. So we need to ask ourselves why then they're allowed to do certain things that maybe other parts of the channel aren't, you know? And there's whether they know it or not, right? Maybe they think they're doing right. But the point is that they release these things in certain ways at certain times. And really, it's just it's very controlled, you know, and that they we need to just be very on guard for this. Even like I said before, even people that may not realize that they're doing it, you know, it's just to question everything. That's why I went with that, because it's important. And it doesn't mean disregard everything. It means be open to everything, but also question everything, including things you already think you believe. And that's just the way of the world. You know, it's incredible. Yeah. Never stop climbing that mountain of enlightenment, you know, and I I think that's important. I think there's a lot of people who, especially in the libertarian anarchist world, you know, they, they get to a certain point and they're like, okay, like I've reached the peak, I've reached the mountaintop. And like, I know everything that there is to know that mindset in itself is dangerous. You know, you can't ever be in that position. I mean, we're always, we're constantly evolving, you know, and not only that counterintuitive information is how we evolve how we evolve, you know, by dissecting and looking at things that were once normalized or once uh, taboo and trying to dissect why it was and, and why people had that type of worldview towards it or that mindset or whatever. That That's how we grow. That's how we expand and evolve as a species. So, um, yeah, that's absolutely yeah. critical. Yeah, I agree. Well, we got a uh, little bit of time left. I was before we jump, I wanted to show the uh, these articles that I brought up just in case if people wanted to look more into it. I discussed this. This was the first part of it on 2015. 12 holistic doctors mysteriously dead in 90 days. That was the where that's where it began. For right. some reason, the image isn't loading, but it's, and that's, what's interesting about it. And this is, this is undeniable. Like if you dive through these and the individual people, every one of these is wildly suspicious. They're all working on important things. And you know, it's very strange. And then it got bigger. 
Now this was this is where it went to. I forget the number it was at now, but this is where I had her on. We I spoke with Aaron Elizabeth and we talked about the full discussion. And then it got even here. This you know the numbers kept growing, and I'll include these for people to to, to look and do for themselves. But nonetheless, it's still interesting the timing of it all. You know, so let, let's bring this into current events in general. Um, you know, we could talk about COVID nineteen angle and how this is all going. But like, what what's the what's the one thing right now that really is on your mind? Just as not not even necessarily the three the, the free thought project. Like he always do that, mix up those letters. What's on your mind, right? What's the one thing that right now that you just constantly keep thinking about or hearing or whatever else is going on? And we can just get into some current events. Yeah, so I did a video recently on my Instagram. Uh, it's actually the best performing video I've done on the Hunter Biden leaks. Um, I, I don't can't. Do we get into that in our pod, the podcast? We I can't remember. I I've done remember. a few. Yeah, done a couple interviews since then. It just flew my mind. Um, also, the Joe Biden, President Biden, talking about this climate emergency. That's another one. Yes. yes. Um, and then I did. Uh, I did another video recently about the Greenwood mall shooting and how some of the aspects of that story kind of just got glossed over, um, including the fact that the, the gunman uh, put his laptop and his oven with a can of butane on high. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Did you, you didn't hear, have to hear. No, about that. I was going to say, go ahead and jump into that first sure, because sure. I, I, I will all, I pretty much always dive into these and try to poke around a little bit, but lately sure. I've been, and I, and like, I haven't, obviously I haven't really in this story, if there's been a lot going on in my background, but the, the, I've had a little in my mental pushback lately on this because I'm, I'm trying to be extra careful maybe to my detriment, because it's sure, like, why would we jump on literally every shooting that happens as it and comb through it and take that time? Like sometimes, you know, I don't know. The point is that there are usually anomalies and those don't always end up meaning what we think they do. And maybe these things are fake just to be able to get you to dive into them. There's a million reasons and questions we should ask, sure. you know, and so there's so many huge things going on, but I'm still very interested because if, if there's anybody out there, even listening right now, that's thinking to yourself, Oh, here we go. It's like, or like, you know, the shoot. Well, I don't know why that mentality comes around. We can prove beyond, Beyond a shadow of a doubt that the FBI has made things happen to be able to stop them. I mean, for crying out loud, the New York Times did an entire article about that a decade ago. You know, they, they, sure. they've been caught faking shootings or being oh, involved yeah. with shootings or, and so on. So dive into it for me because I'm interested to hear what was interesting about it. I'm glad you said that, Ryan. That, again, just kind of highlights your own integrity. And I, I agree. You know, I'm I'm you get into this and you're like, okay, that shooting's a false flag. That shooting's a false flag. And it's just like, that's your, your natural inclination. But right. then you stay in this for a while and you're like, okay, guys, like, come on, like not every single thing is going to be a false flag. Right. Like, let's but have question a it. But sure. Question it. Sure. Absolutely. So I did, I, I approached this like with a very gentle touch because I don't know what's going on. And even in the video that I made, I, I make it very clear. I don't have the answers who knows specifically what's going on, but here are four different facts that I think should be noted, you know, and then I just let the audience go from there. And of course, in the comments are all like, it's fed boys. It's the feds, you know, <laughs> that's fine. Come to your own conclusions. It's my right. responsibility to not make assertions, to not right. uh, be an alarmist, you know? So, um, and I think intellectuals and critical thinkers actually listen a little bit better. They actually take the information into consideration with a little bit more mm -hmm. uh, fairness when you're not slanting it off the bat like that. So there was four things that I came across that I thought were a bit suspicious and kind of could lead towards believing that it, it, this could have been something that was facilitated by the FBI. So uh, number one, the, the weapons that were used, the AR-15, um, they were almost identical as far as like all the specs, all the, the optics, like the equipment that was involved, a little foregrip, um, the sight. And there was two of them. So the Uvalde shooter and the Greenwood shooter both had multiple firearms and they took pictures with them and they almost look exactly identical as far as the custom builds for, for the, the firearms that, you know, I mean, I don't know. Is that suspicious? I mean, I guess it I could think so. It, it I saw I be. saw the image somebody shared and I'm just like, what's I mean, I thought the first thing I asked myself was, you know, what's the what's the likelihood? of having the exact same guns and the exact same modifications and the same set. Like that's, I would, I would argue that's pretty damn suspicious. It is. It is. And then you'd almost hope like the FBI would be smart enough to like not do that, you know? And so you kind of just go back and forth in your mind, but I mean, who this knows is where you ask whether or not there's deliberate efforts to, to signal for, for whatever reason, right. there's arguments of that, sure. right? Yeah. yeah absolutely. You see it to some degree and so on conspiracy theory. I get it. But there, it's interesting points though, because you do see examples of that where you ask yourself, 
well, they would be smart enough to, and they are smart enough to know that, but yet they still did it. Historically speaking, you know, you can see the examples of it. So I don't know why they might want to, sh- to do something like that to like a nod to people like us to be like, yeah, yeah. You know, we're, you know, I, I don't know, but people talk about that. It's a fair point. I think at, at this point, like anything's possible, man, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> and I hate to say that. Cause like, I, I try not to keep that tinfoil hat, you know, placed on my head, but I think at this point, like nothing's really out of the equation. Badge of uh, honor, man. I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> all, for, all my life. I don't even care. Like I call me anything you want out there in the world, right? If you think asking questions, no matter how ridiculous is, is conspiracy theory, then I will laugh at you. You know, that's how I feel about sure. it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm right there with you, man. And, and we could logically justify that too. You know, that's, it's kind of what we have on our side, but um, okay. So there was also some records that were dug up uh, highlighting that the shooter had like a really troubled childhood. Uh, in fact, there was core records of him living day to day in hotel rooms at the age 16, so um, that's not a very stable childhood. And as I kind of alluded to in my video, like those tend to be the type of people that the FBI will target right. and focus on, especially if they're on the, the pharmaceuticals, right. uh, have any type of mental disability or mental health issues. Um, and so the, the last two were actually openly reported uh, within mainstream media, but nobody really talked about it. Nobody really questioned it. And I just kind of saw it. And I was like, oh, my spidey sense are tingling, you know, like this mm-hmm this doesn't seem right. So the first one was the one that I mentioned, uh, which is his laptop. Like after the shooting happened, authorities went to his home, raided his home. Uh, there was a laptop apparently in the oven with a can of butane and the oven was at set on high. So, uh, maybe they didn't get to a hot enough degree. Maybe the metal of the butane butane can is resistant to high heat like that. I don't really know exactly what happened and why there wasn't uh, more destruction involved, but, uh, basically, they said that they were going to do analysis on the FB on the the laptop, and if they had any information that came from it, you know, obviously they would they would tell us. Which <laughs> I'm sure they would, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they will. And then the very last thing, which is probably a little less suspicious than that, but the the shooter apparently dumped his cell phone into the toilet in the mall bathroom uh, before he came out and, and started firing. Apparently, he was in the bathroom for like an hour before the rampage started, and uh, he he dumped it into the the mall bathroom toilet. And another thing that was kind of suspicious about that is like most cell phones these days uh, are waterproof, you know, and especially if you have like thousands of dollars for a beautiful AR, you know, and you're you're probably rocking the newest iPhone is what I'm assuming, you know? So uh, apparently the FBI said that the, the phone was water damaged and they're they're probably not going to be much of a chance of recovering everything on it. And again, that they would tell us if there was any information on it. So that Mm -hmm. to me seemed a little suspicious because I mean, they could recover you know, almost anything these days. Right. Uh, especially, you know, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so even just at an early precursor level, it's really just questioning, questioning whether they're not wanting to release all the information they find. Right. Sure. Like that could just sure, be sure. as simple as that is that this is being are you know, manipulated because they just, there's something in there that they don't want people to see. Right. It's, it's, sure. very, it's interesting. Like these are all valid and interesting points. You know, I would ask, why would he, bring his cell phone or put it in the toilet in the first place. It sounded very reminiscent of like, Oh, a passport, you know, I, that sure. we'll see how that pay, plays out. But yeah, the, 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 the oven part of it is interesting. Like what is that meant to be? And why would that happen? I don't know. Yeah. It's it, unspoken or uh, unspoken, but unresolved in my mind, you know, like we just don't know where these things add up together. And yeah. so that's where I would put it down and I would be like suspicious, you know, but, and, and that's the problem we were talking about earlier is it, the, that's not what happens in a lot of these circles today is that that's enough right there. False flag, you know, it's yeah. fake. And we just shouldn't right, jump right. to that. And it very well could be. That's what we should always be okay saying is it's possible that they could fake these things. But until we can prove it, we got to, you know, be careful in just jumping absolutely. the gun. But interesting. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I mean, if you look at both of those things, I mean, it sounds, it seems pretty obvious there was, he wanted to destroy any type of previous communications or anything he had on, on file on these devices, you know? So yeah, but there's everything cloud today. You know what I mean? Like everything, I don't know. There's so many other facets that seem like whether or not it's even on the cloud, like whether it was synced with, I don't know. It just seems like, sure, sure. No, no, you're right. Kind of thing to do that alone. I mean, who knows? Maybe he was a closet homosexual or something. And you didn't want people to find out like there's a thousand different things that maybe he was, or why not destroy it before you leave the house? Like, True. you know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. t- the weird timing of it all does seem suspicious for unknown reasons is the point though. I mean, maybe he got his last, uh, direction from, you know, the fed boys or something and they're like, okay, throw, you know, throw the phone and the, th- <laughs> I mean, yeah, who knows? Right? You know, like, I, know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, 
and it's funny in the comments too for that video you know people are saying well that's not enough evidence for me to think that this is a false flag and i'm like perfect like great you don't have to think that it that's was why i didn't flag. make that argument right <laughs> exactly and I, again i tried to touch this very delicately you know and i mean again i'm not trying to tell people what it is i'm just trying to raise objections point out some facts that i think are suspicious and uh, let the people do the rest you know Here's an interesting point on that, and this is this relates to literally everything happening in the world, any any you know news related or anything really, is that today it's been allowed acceptable to claim to suss out the intent, you know. So you post your video, right? You don't make any arguments about what you're just going fact, 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 fact. That's all, you know. Yeah. And and you 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 said you added some commentary, but no nowhere are you arguing fake or real or whatever else. And so that person obviously sniffed out and, oh, I see, wink, wink, what you're doing here. Like, here's what you really meant. And therefore, and that's all they would argue. That's all they need, that he meant this censor him because he's trying to influence this way. So this gets really abstract when you ask this question, whether it's about vaccine safety or whatever. So would somebody be allowed to then make a video discussing what you were pointing out? Like, here's a video Jason made, and here's the things he said. Isn't that exactly what you did? But they'd be like, oh, well, their intent is to point out that he's a conspiracy theorist. It doesn't, so the intent that they're pretending they know is what they're using to censor today. And yeah. that's crazy, you know? And so the corporate Absolutely. media could do that, relay the same points, but as long sure. as they, because they, they know that that's not their intent. I just find that to be interesting. You have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And it, I, I'm, again, like, I'm glad you put this into words because that's absolutely my experience. It's exactly, you know, what I've, I've dealt with over the years. And it's not just these fact checkers, so-called fact checkers. It's not just the mainstream. I mean, it's, it's our peers. It's people online yep. uh, who are doing this. And again, it's just so disingenuous, you know, like it's not an argument. And I, and I think, again, going back to the intellectual integrity thing, like we're so lost as a society. I mean, most people can't even... Uh, they can't even present or articulate an argument. They don't even know what an argument is. They think yeah. that they have a very opinionated thought on something and therefore they're right. You know, and it's like, no, it actually like it takes a little bit more than that. You need mm -hmm. to if you're going to present a truth claim. Well, you need to have logic. You need to have reason. You need to have evidence. And it, it can't be as something as a subjective uh, interpretation as my intention. You know, like that's just right. disingenuous. It's it's. It's a logical Not, fallacy. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's everything yeah, about yeah. it is a straw man, you know, all these different arguments you could make. It's, it's pretending like it's the same thing they do overseas with, you know, oh, Putin's well, here's what he really means or what Putin wants or his intentions. Like think yeah. of how childish that is. The corporate media, the New York times, the Washington post are like, Putin really thinks this. It's like, sure. we should laugh out loud at them when they do stuff like that, you know? But yeah, yeah. It, go ahead. No, op-ed, maybe, you know, but we're certainly not going to, you know, place that in a, a column for truth or, you know, objective truth, as they say. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's, it sounds like you, you know, some, it sounds like you took debate at some point in your life or something like that. Like, you know, a constitutional law, like there's classes I took as well, where you had to get up and make these sound arguments in a, you know, based on like a court of law type setting where you have to prov provide these in things, maybe not today in the broken world that we live in, but sure. it's interesting because you're right. That is completely absent. And and that actually speaks to another interesting point that it's they believe they are doing it, though. Right. So this is where you get into the difference of understanding of these things. Like the point I make all the time is that we say the word research yeah. and we know we're thinking source material, breaking down the sort of looking at the, you know, ever the details, not just the fact that Fox or CNN said that's what it said. But then you, you can hear them talk about it. I make the point about the the, the uh, press secretary saying that when they asked about Delta and how do you know for sure that's what it's Delta, not some other variant. And she's like, because the CDC told us like with <laughs> absolute disdain. He's like, yeah, I heard that. How do we know for sure? Like just repeated the question. And she was like, because they told us like repeated the same thing, whether she's playing a role or actually believes that that is enough. I mean, that's the problem today. So to your point, it's the same thing as they believe that by making a stated argument, then, you know, the news said, and therefore I'm right. Like they they walk away going, <laughs> I did one that one, you know, and they really think that it's like, how do right. we get that is social engineering. That's incredible. Absolutely, man. And a, a profound lack of critical thinking, you know, and obviously <laughs> there's the, the public school, the government school indoctrination system to, yeah. to thank for that. But then also just a lifetime of, of pure uh, just being distracted, you know, and I think many people live in that place, you know, yeah. pure distraction, entertainment. 
uh, pleasure. I mean, all these things are obviously important. I'm not saying don't engage in them, but I'm just saying like, eventually you kind of have to man up a little bit and not trying to be sexist there. Sorry, anybody who's (laughs) on the left watching this, but I mean, man up in the sense that like, you need to take control of this thing, you know, and understand how to, uh, to use it and understand your own beliefs, your own ideology. And, um, yeah, examine these types of things, you know? And so, yeah. yeah, you don't have to apologize for using totally in in not not offensive idioms on the show. Like it's just you know it's like saying human human oh human she like you know it's just these weird bastardizations of how these things work today. My right, point right. again, and this is, speaks to kind of two points, right? Is the intent matters, but yeah. they don't know your intent, so therefore they shouldn't assume what your intent is. The point is, if I right. want to say man up, and I just mean just you know be more. Uh, whatever, whatever I want to mean by it, like the fact that they they are offended by that is not. I you know you you. I know sure you agree. I'm just kind of making a joke about it. It frustrates me that we have to do that today, and I do it too. You know, like well, I you know I said woman, and you know, like <laughs> it's, sure, it's sure, yeah. I don't know. I think it's more of like a joke with people like us, but I try to limit those types of insults and fallacies. You know, just because I think it's important to. uh not be the polarizing figure where it can get you an audience, you know, you can get you a big following, but at the same time, like, that's not my goal. Like I'm out here well, trying to no, go ahead. That's a, well, that's a great point though. And the question, that's what it comes down to is not necessarily, I wouldn't say on the show, we do that on purpose. My point is that if you just in with, with good intention are just yeah. speaking off the cuff and you say something without realizing that they've turned that or made that or historically said, here's why that's bad. Oh, did yesterday they decide it's off limits? You know, it's like, you, you just don't know, you know, we've all yeah. seen this progression. So my point is with good intention, you just say it. It's like, I just, I'm tired of having to go like, Oh, wait, whoa, wait a minute. Did I just step over a line? It's like, ah, uh, you know, I know you get it. I'm just, you know, it's, it's frustrating. And that that's that in and of itself is part of the problem. You know, it's it's about, we should all be conscientious. And this is my point about terms and everything. I, you know, I frankly don't care what you want to do with your body and call yourself whatever you want. You can't force me to call you that, but you know what? I will out of respect if you ask me to. Sure. So that, that even frustrates people that are on the other side. You know, it's like, no, we right, can't right. get in. It's like, no, man, everybody just quiet down, respect everybody, you know, but you shouldn't force me to do things. You know, anyway, you get it. But it's it, it, these kind of conversations take away from so many important things. You know, it's, yeah. it's part of the problem, I think. I feel like the PC rule book is, is probably growing faster than Facebook's terms of services and community standards, you know, <laughs> they're <laughs> eating themselves alive now. Hard. Right. Yeah. That's hard to do, man. Trust me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And uh, I hate to say this because I think both sides engage in it, but I think that whole, like trying to understand your intentions thing is probably more from the left, you know, and oh, it's, I agree. it's really the culture war. And unfortunately they don't have a lot of ground to stand on when it comes to some of this stuff. It's just like, I don't want you to offend me, you know? So therefore, like what could be a good argument? Oh, his intention. That's right. His intention for that video is X, Y, and Z. Right. So um, not to say that they don't have some, some grounded, they they have a few points, you know? And, And honestly, man, like I look at the left and I look at the right, I feel like there's a lot of overlap, you know, and there's just a few things that like the culture wars, maybe economics, but everything else, like we almost kind of agree on. And and again, like, that's why I try not to be that polarizing figure in this community is because yeah. there's enough of that. And there's just so much that we actually could overlap on and kind of be allies with that. It doesn't make sense to, to be the guy who's always calling out the right. one side. This is the important part of all of this is that that's the re- we are on the same side for crying out loud. It's the people that are being oppressed by the government. And we, if we until we can recognize that we won't ever change anything because it always comes down to some wedge issue where then we go up, oh, we push back and yeah. they're the problem. They're the problem. And the government's like, perfect. We're going to you know, we got we, we keep the thing going, you know, and that's that's the problem. And so, like, to my point is that you know, I argue and I could be wrong, is that it's not actually the majority that they're even pointing at. Is it, you know, like I, I make up the percentages, but just so it's visualized for people, I would argue that you got like a 15% on either side. That's the hard right, and the hard left, varying degrees. And that's about 50, 30%. The other 70 are people that are like, well, they're convinced over a lifetime of t- being told from the corporate media that they are the smallest fringe, crazy people in the world. They'd have no place, vote the lesser of evils. And that's the point. They get driven one way or the other. You know, they may change their vote based on certain wedge issues or back and forth. They vote this way, that way. At the end of the day, though, they still partake because they don't realize that they're the majority. And this is why we need to realize that, you know, and and just can. But to your point, again, we need to respect each other, respect that there's other opinions. And that's where they keep us divided, you know. 
to, to unless you haven't you know, a thought on that before no, no, go ahead man the, the last thing i want to just kind of get into here before you know last just maybe a couple minutes just to get your thoughts on where this is going you know i, I don't like to too often get into you know prediction kind of stuff but there is a place for it you know you're 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 an educated person and you do this for a living you know and so you are tapped into things you know so you have maybe see things that other people might not we don't have to necessarily go prediction but you know just what what do you where it's building the technocracy the great reset the COVID nineteen biosecurity state monkeypox you know like what's on your radar right now and where do you think we're gonna be you know in the next well you go from there wherever you want yeah spoiler alert um we win <laughs> I I'm think you, it's man. as simple as that I, I think uh, the pendulum between liberty and, and tyranny is always swinging back it has uh, throughout history. And uh, right now it's swinging a little bit more towards tyranny, you know, but there's a groundswell that's that's growing and uh, there's a lot of momentum right now. And, um, you know, the, the COVID-1984 players, you know, all all the big players, Fauci, uh, the WEF, I mean, uh, Biden administration, all these people kind of in a way helped us facilitate this waking up process yeah. amongst a, a large faction of people that otherwise probably wouldn't have ever been motivated to do so. And uh, they, they kind of realized that the authoritarianism um, is home and, and it, it could actually happen here. And so I think they're starting to realize that everything that they know, everything that they thought they knew uh, is all bullshit. And so that, in my opinion, is something that's really encouraging. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier in the conversation, I feel like there's a bunch of different factions of freedom-minded people. Now, we, we might not align on everything 100%, Right. But there's still this bottom line basis for an understanding and uh, appreciation for liberty. So I, I honestly believe, and I say this in almost all the interviews that I do, that you know we're currently in the age of information, that we're going to be headed towards the age of accountability. Mm. And the internet is the great equalizer in that sense. The internet is going to be the the tool that helps us create that world and it already is i mean if you look at the blockchain if you look at the, the numerous review systems that um you know a lot of consumers rely on in the market online marketplace i mean these things are all kind of shifting in a direction that's going to give people a little bit more control of their lives now we still do have to get past this concept of authority and I don't know if we're quite there yet. I still feel like there's a lot of people latched onto that. It could be the fear programming. Uh, it could be the idea that you have to rule yourself, but there, there's still this hang up on authority that we need rulers in our lives. We need these people to represent us. Uh, even that in itself is a fallacy. I mean, if you look at the word itself, the etymology of the word represent us, represent us, nobody could represent you. You could only represent yourself. Mm -hmm. So this, this concept is flawed from the start as is government. Um, you know, and this is probably all just basic, uh, one-on-one type of knowledge for, you know, your listeners. But I mean, if something's based in violence, and if it's funded by violence and if it's enforced by violence, how can that be a system that we could hail as being um, something that is beneficial to our lives? You know, so we could do much better. I, I believe the Internet's going to lead us there. It's going to be a process. Uh, I used to say it's going to be an intergenerational shift. I don't know. It could happen. It could happen in our lifetimes. It could happen over the next 40 years. And just as long as I've been in this world, I've seen a huge waking up process. I've seen a huge shift. And I'm not as alone as I once was in 2011. So that has me feeling uh, optimistic and keeps me motivated. Outstanding. I mean, that's a great note to end on. And I agree, man. We, we, if we have a lot to be positive about as much as we are in a pretty dark position, you know, sure. look at the effect that the work that people like yourselves and everybody in the independent media have had. I mean, you if you believe that it was supposed to go the way that it did so far, I mean, I don't even know how that would make sense. Like this has been stopped, slowed down by the work people have done. It just shows you that I mean, maybe that's all we're ever capable of. You know, they're always going to push this back around from a thousand different directions. That's just how this stuff works. But we need to keep pushing back always. I mean, that's just how this works. And I do think we can change, though. Not to say, I, I don't I don't believe that last statement. That's always possible. I believe we can change everything if we actually come across these party lines. And I've, like I've said many times, I think violence begets violence. I don't think that's the direction we should take. At the Absolutely. very least, take this new direction. Now, seeing this different path and where we're going, I, I definitely think we can. And I think we have a right to be positive about it, you know? And I, I, I think I agree with you on the final point that they were very clearly, you know, ham-fisted with this. They rushed this for whatever reason. I think it's quite obvious why. I think they're aware that people are coming, you know, coming to for different reasons. And Absolutely. yeah, I agree with you. What they did 
it it had the counter effect, I think. I think a lot of new people are standing back and going, wait a minute, you know, there are more of us that think this way. And, or, you know, their health is a big problem. These ingredients, these are terrible. You know, people are starting to go, wait a minute, like all these different things are flying out of the side and they can't control all of it. And I think that's what they're starting to see. And I've said this before about the COVID-19 pushback is, you know, they may be over there saying, well, masks work and, you know, you should wear one, but I won't force you. There's a line we should right there. You're on the same side right now, you know, and you may disagree and it's okay to disagree. But if you, if they stand there going, the government should not have a place in telling you what to do with your life. We should all be on that line right now, you know, and that's Absolutely. the problem is the two party paradigm really does stop them from getting there. They go, oh, wait a minute. You think they should be called this and you think that oh, then they break away, you know, and that's the problem. So I love what you're saying, man. And I think we need more of it. We need more positive outlook here because we are making a lot of good things happen. So thank you for being here today, brother. You want to give a shout out to, New things you got coming up, more stuff coming your way. Sure, brother. Yeah. So um, we're going to be transitioning over to, I think we talked about on our podcast, this new platform called roundtable.io. And just as what we've been talking about, it it gives us a place through the video, uh, through video to have conversations in a roundtable type of format with a bunch of different people who don't necessarily share your opinion, but everybody's here to try to have a conversation and be respectful um, and so they're going to host our website and do these, I think that at least weekly, uh, maybe bi-weekly type of video roundtable events. So that's definitely exciting for us. And um, it's going to clean up our website a bit. You know, after we lost uh, 6 million fans, unfortunately, we, you know, we lost our whole team. We kind of got delegated into kind of the bottom of the barrel ads. People are sick of our ads on our site. I get it, guys. Trust me. <laughs> so hopefully that that's going to clean things up a bit. Um, and yeah, we're starting to work on a children's book, teaching kids their rights, kind of shooting right. for the age group between like eight and 12. And uh, we've got a, a pretty good head start on that. I'm looking forward to finishing that up in the next few months. Uh, otherwise, guys, just go to the freethoughtproject.com. Um, you'll see our own podcast there. Had a bunch of great guests, including Ryan, who was our, our guest last week. And uh, also donate, subscribe there. You can follow my work at Jason Bassler one on Twitter or Jason dot E dot Bassler on Instagram. Those are kind of my, my bigger accounts, but I'm also on uh, minds, me, we um, telegram uh, sovereign. So yeah, follow me on any of those, but it's been a pleasure talking with you, man. I knew it was going to be a good talk. We, we had a great one last time. So I really enjoyed this. Me too, man. Thank you for coming on. I, I'm going to make a quick prediction before I let you go about your if, if and when you guys complete the children's book, how much you want to bet they accuse you of somehow be, doing something inappropriate with children or you know infringing on their this or that or change their minds the wrong way. But yeah, come to Drag Queen Storytime after this is over. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just mark my words. I bet you there's going to be some weird pushback because we can't be talking about guns with children or you know whatever it is. And sure. it's going to make me laugh out loud because it's a ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, they call us culture vultures or like culture appropriation. I don't know. It's like, no, actually, I was doing police accountability before BLM even existed. But, you know, that's another. Oh, good point. (laughs) (laughs) It's a ridiculous world. Thank you for being here, man. Uh, We need to do it again. I enjoyed this. So uh, bottom line is make sure you check out the Free Thought Project. They're doing great work over there. So as always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.